Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The next thing I knew, I was on stage miscarrying in the middle of my concert. Pop star Halsey opens up to the doctors about the disorder that has been destroying her life. I woke up on the floor in that bathroom, walked back out through the parking lot and collapsed in the street. And how she unraveled her medical nightmare. I put my foot down and I got really aggressive. And what you need to watch for at home. I have three red flags. That's today. The number of online sexual offenses has doubled in the last three years. Doubled in three years, child predators now targeting victims through a source that's gonna shock a lot of you parents. With over 95% of children under the age of 18 playing some form of video games and the skyrocketing popularity of online gaming, these fantasy worlds can now pose a very real threat to your children. According to a study, 25% of child gamers regularly play online with strangers, many unmonitored and without parents' knowledge, making it the perfect grooming ground for child predators. With estimates of 750,000 child predators online at any time, could your child's gaming console be the perfect portal for predators? And there have been some pretty scary stories in the news as of late. Predator tried to kidnap an 11-year-old Florida girl to bring back to his home in Illinois, had posed as a 13-year-old girl. And, and in the case in, uh, I guess the Predator in North Carolina was using Xbox to manipulate underage boys into sharing nude pictures via an online gaming program. That statistic of at any given time potentially 750,000 Predators online, would you have ever guessed it was that high? No. And I think what video games parents are usually thinking about the violence. That's what we hear so much about is that video games are violent and that they encourage kids to become aggressive or for kids to become violent, acting out what they see in the games. I don't hear, and I'm a parent, I have three kids, I don't hear people talking about video games or the places where predators are going to prey on kids, you know, sexual predators. So this is really a shocking statistic for me as a parent, and I think a lot of parents watching this are going to be scratching their heads saying, no one told me that these video games were places where kids were being targeted. And one of the big risks, which we alluded to in the story, is that Predators can pose as anyone they want online. You wouldn't necessarily know. Your child wouldn't necessarily know. We're joined now by digital safety expert Titania Jordan, who joins us via Skype from Atlanta. Because obviously these numbers are startling. How common are these cases? But really, more importantly, I want to then delve into how parents can keep their kids safe. So thanks so much for being with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. You know, these cases are unfortunately very common. I'm a mother of a nine-year-old who loves gaming and has several consoles, and it's so easy for a predator to make a fake account and contact a child online. You know, unfortunately, this is the new playground. It's a digital playground. It's the new don't-take-candy-from-strangers conversation. And as this segment alluded to, 97% of children are playing video games, and 25% of them are playing with people they don't even know. So, you know, we're all scared. What can we do? What can we do right now? 
Well, first of all, don't let your child have a gaming console in their room. Keep it in the common family area. They don't need to be playing online, chatting with strangers after bedtime because they will. Also, make sure your children know that nobody online needs to know their name, their address, where they go to school, what activities they participate in, their age, nothing. They need to know nothing about them beyond their screen name. And if at any time something creepy pops up, they need to be able to come to you and tell you and feel comfortable knowing that you're not going to yell at them or judge them or return that Xbox. You just want to know so you can keep them safe. They need to know that these things are really happening to children their age, to teens and tweens, and you're there to help them. I'm curious if there are specific types of games and also this concept of grooming, how I understand these predators are going online, they're observing the behaviors in these certain games and then targeting children based on that. So how as a parent are you gonna know, well, this is a high risk game for my kid to be playing with these potential predators out there? Absolutely, there's no way for parents to be everywhere that children are online all the time. But just like you wouldn't send your child to a school before touring it first, meeting a teacher at least, don't give your child a gaming console unless you have examined the parental controls, know what sort of abilities it has. Can you chat online? Can you go online? Can you stream live? Is there a camera? Can you share photos? Know the potential risks. You don't have to know how to pass every level, but know the risks and talk to your children about them in an age-appropriate way. You know, if they're really young, talk about tricky people. Not everybody is who they say they are online. As they get older, you can get into the more serious stuff because they have to know it is real and it is happening and it is your job to keep them safe. I have a question about the game. So we know with certain websites online, parents can put these locks where kids can't even go into particular sites. Is it the same way with games where you're able to lock your kids out of certain functions or certain aspects of a game? It depends on the, the particular console and your internet controls. You know, every internet service provider is different, um, but know your principal controls. You know, we keep children online as safe as possible, but ultimately, until these platforms open up their API to, to companies that keep children safer online, we can only do so much as a parent. You alluded to it a little bit like if, if anybody starts asking anything inappropriate, too personal, that obviously is a red flag, but how do you present that to the kids? Start with the basics. Just like you don't talk to strangers, in real life, you don't talk to strangers online. You have to show them that anybody can create an account and pretend to be someone else. So that way the, the veil is kind of lifted on the, the magic of the game. Um, then from there, talk about how somebody can, can find you on very little amounts of personal information. You know, instill a little fear in them. Not too much. You don't want to freak them out. But, like, they need to know the dangers. Children are very smart. They're very perceptive. And they will respect the truth. We really appreciate yeah. these pragmatic tips. So important. Thank you for joining us. Before we move on, Reeve, I want to ask you one question. That is purely from the legal perspective. Because as far as I can tell, if a predator's online lurking, probably hard to prosecute. There's probably like, really, what crime are you right. committing? Unlike if you're trespassing on someone's pro property and peeping through windows, what can the law do? What can the law do to protect from these predators who are online right now? Well, I think we need, one, more regulation. There's not enough regulation of these games, and there are too many people that can go online and pose as, you know, teenagers or pose as kids and lure kids uh, into these chat rooms where they engage in sometimes, you know, pornography and other kinds of 
uh, illegal activity. And even big companies like Microsoft and Sony, they're having a difficult time with this. There was this, you know, this operation that they engaged in called Operation Game Over, where they shut down 3,500 sex offenders gaming profiles in an effort to try to, you know, get their arms around and to prevent this type of activity happening. So we need more federal law. Some states do have laws that prevent uh, sex offenders from having email accounts or uh, engaging in certain internet activities. Uh, they have to surrender that kind of internet information when they register as a sex offender. But this is an area where we need to do more because if the statistics are true that we're talking about today, a startling number of kids are going to be subjected to potential predators simply because they're playing video games. So there's laws out there, but they don't go far enough to protect our and kids. And I think what I've learned from this segment is if you're a parent, you don't need to be a gamer, but you need to be familiar with these games and your children's gaming habits. Because you need to be familiar with some of these parental control mechanisms, we're going to have resources on our website thedoctorstv.com, where you can restrict certain elements of these games so that hopefully you can help protect your child. We'll be right back. Coming up. I haven't been able to breathe out of my left nostril for over 20 years. After two decades of suffering, Sabina's life is about to change. The septum is going to undergo the highest level of reconstruction. Then. Doctors can tend to minimize the female experience when it comes to dealing with it. Grammy-nominated singer Halsey opens up about a condition that's plagued her for years. I was fainting all the time. The next thing I knew, I was on stage miscarrying. That's coming up. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna ask the doctors. Well, that's a good thing because the docs have answers. All this May, the doctors are answering all the questions. My question, my question, what is this? My question is, is this normal? I know the answer. Are you ready? You are too afraid to ask about. Bring it on. Plus, September 1994, Michelle Murphy's three and a half month old son is found dead. His throat slit separated by prison bars for 20 years. I didn't do this. There's no way I would ever hurt my kids. A mother and daughter's reunion. You actually believe that you saw your mother kill your brother. That will leave you in tears. The following program contains images of an actual surgical procedure that may be graphic and disturbing. Parents are advised that these images may not be suitable for young children. A gymnastics accident years ago left Sabina with a lifetime of problems. She wondered if she'd ever find relief. I haven't been able to breathe out of my left nostril for over 20 years. I was born with a deviated septum, and when I was 11, I had a gymnastics injury. I was on the uneven bars and literally slammed my nose on the lower bar. I have 100% blockage in my left nostril. Right works, and then the left 
Nothing. It's definitely impacted me quite a bit. I suffer from many sinus infections. I'm constantly losing my voice. I wake up immediately with a very congested nose, super sore throat, and that's because I have to sleep with my mouth open. It's very frustrating. I want to be able to just take a deep breath like an average person does. I want to know what it's like to have two nostrils and actually use them. Today, I'm super excited. I'm going to see Dr. Richard Zumalin. My hope is he is able to fix it. She suffers from some of the most obstructed breathing that I've ever seen. When I look inside your nose, Sabina, I can't see anything. It's just a wall of flesh. This is where the fracture is. So you can see how your nose is completely blocked. Compare that to a normal septum. Everything in here is just stuck. And that's why you get infections. So Sabina, here's what we're gonna do. The septum is going to undergo the highest level of reconstruction. We're going to have to take the septum out of the nose, reconstruct it on the table, make it straight, and reinsert it and stabilize it back into the nose. This is a very rare procedure, but can give you a great result. Dr. Richard Zamalan took us into the OR for a closer look. It's the big day. She has a really, really deviated septum, and there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Normally, the septum's straight, and I can just get on both sides. Hers takes a huge curve this way, so I have to come around it from all angles. So now I'm going to open her nose. Lifting the skin envelope up, we're taking a look at the septum now, and it's a lot more twisted and fractured than I even expected. And it goes over to this way, then it fractures again and goes this way. I have to take it out of the nose, reconstruct it, and put it back in. I hope there's enough cartilage to do this. I'm cutting into the septum, and we're gonna take it out of the body. And you can see how mangled it is. This is the other half of the septum. There's still a huge piece of bone going into her left side. Wow. This piece was sticking right into her airway. So now she has a much better airway. What I'm doing right now is using a suture kit to create a template. We need to recreate this piece out of these two pieces. And this is gonna support the entire nose. So now I'm going to suture these two pieces together to create the strut. This is a straight piece of bone and I'm using that to support it. So now we're gonna place the septum inside the nose. Look at this, strong, excellent. All right, so we're securing the tip onto the new septum. This is our new profile. It's beautiful, it's elegant, and it's natural. Now you can see how straight the nose is compared to before. That's how you do it. Please welcome board certified Beverly Hills facial plastic surgeon, Dr. Richard Zamalin, a specialist in rhinoplasties who performed a special surgery. I have to give you kudos because that was Thank impressive. Yeah. Is this something that occasionally you have to do? Literally taking the septum out, operating, you're operating on the septum. On the table. Well, it's called extracorporeal, yeah. meaning you're, you're removing it from the body to work on it, and then you put it back, and you have that lining, which mm -hmm. allows that, that graft and that piece to survive. It gets this blood supply from the lining. Will you show us what you were doing in the OR there? Because I know you have an example. Absolutely. So normally a septum is straight like this, or you hope that it is, otherwise people have breathing problems. But Sabina's was like this. I mean, it was an S shape beyond recognition. I mean, it was nothing near a straight line. So how can you get this to become this? Well, sometimes you can do different grafting techniques, but in Sabina's case, I knew by her exam and her CT scan, the only way to do it was to just take it out and reconstruct it.
Well, here's the good news. Sabina's surgery was a success. She is here to show off her results. Sabina, come on out. Watch yourself in surgery. Wow, I've never seen actual procedures, so and it's I was pretty, almost in tears. <laughs> I, I gotta tell you, it's a pretty dramatic before and after, which is mm. cosmetically oh. a wonderful result. I wow. imagine does not compare to <laughs> your feeling before and after, your ability to breathe. How are you feeling? Absolutely. How's that before and after? Oh my gosh, it's amazing. First of all, I'm a completely new person because of this man. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Some of the simplest things that are dramatically different for a normal person, like tasting food, sleeping. I'm 31 years old. I've never known what it's like to sleep through an entire night. I can speak better. I don't have to pause anymore when I would talk. I would have to stop, take a deep breath, eat. I couldn't eat with my mouth closed. So now I can do those things better and more of it. Um, this is funny. I, I'm happily married, but I never thought I'd say this about another man. I wake up and I think about him. <laughs> wow. I'm sure your sense of smell is better. Everything. Um, I go through perfume bottles much less now. <laughs> I'm sure your ability to exercise, just you have more energy and you, you can be more active. Absolutely. And I heard that there's a sexy bonus too, right? In your, with your relationship. <laughs> yeah, they told us. Yeah. Is there? Uh, yeah, way back in, during the dating years, um, I think guys used to think that they took my breath away, but I, I just had to stop and catch my breath because I couldn't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I can make out longer. That is very nice. Thank All you. Right. All right. Well, one thing, one thing the surgery did not do is steal your sense of humor. Yes, and, and you know, I think this gets back to you. You two do rhinoplasties, and so often we think of them as cosmetic. I gotta say, what you guys do in a case like this, Dr. Jamal, you're literally changing someone's life. Sabina, we are so happy for you. Thank you so much. And I think if you're out there having some of the same issues yeah. Sabina was, you know, talk to a specialist because sometimes the only true fix is something like this. Maybe not to that extent. <laughs> Almost always Hopefully. not to that extent. Yeah. But, but uh, great surgeons like this here can help you out. Uh, we'll be right back. Coming up, Judge Judy's bailiff takes the stand on his dietary indiscretions. We ate good. Again? We drank good. Again. Then. Doctors can tend to minimize the female experience when it comes to dealing with it. Grammy-nominated singer Halsey opens up about a condition that's plagued her for years. I was fainting all the time. The next thing I knew, I was on stage miscarrying. That's coming up. Coming tomorrow, drama erupts in doctor's court. It's just hard for me to hear you defend him. Even Dr. Orton gets caught in the crosshair. He's trying to get me in trouble. Dr. Orton is not on trial. Not yet. That's tomorrow. We are here to answer all of your medical questions, no matter who you are. This is Judge Judy. Hey doctors, this is Officer Bird from Judge Judy. Got a question. Uh, just before the Christmas holidays, I had my A1C taken and the number was 6.4. Had it taken right after the holidays and it was 7.1. Any explanation for the spike in my numbers? You know from 
the hit show, Judge Judy, but now Officer Bird is here for a verdict of his own. Welcome to the show. Hey, Thanks for having welcome. me. How you doing? You're kind of the enforcer on that show, aren't you? Yeah. Don't tell yeah. Judy, but I turn, I turn it on just to watch you. Oh, okay, all right. And, and mom's the word. I am really glad that you asked this question because we know the rates of diabetes out there are climbing each and every year. I'm curious, because you mentioned some of the holiday numbers. Right, right. Um, how have things been since then? Have you gotten another test of your hemoglobin A1C? Uh, I haven't had a test yet, uh, but that, the fact that that test was taken during that period uh, leads me to another question that I actually have for you guys. Um, my understanding is that the A1C, okay, it's an average of three months yes. of your yeah. glucose level, but I thought I read that 50% of that reading uh, is the last month, is that? So, so let me just, for individuals who are not aware of this, clarify. Hemoglobin A1C, it does, it measures in general levels of sugar in your body or in your bloodstream over the last three months. It's the sugar attached to that hemoglobin molecule on your red blood cells. Anything from 57 to 6.4% is considered prediabetes. You mentioned 7.1, you're reading after the holidays. 6.5 or above puts you in the category of having diabetes. The reason that three-month figure is thrown out there is because that's the average lifespan of a red blood cell. So it is a good kind of marker over over all of those red blood cells over that three-month period. Now, there can be certain circumstances. For instance, you know, if your body's been making a lot more red blood cells over the last month or so, yeah, I mean, it could sway towards the more recent month. But having said that, it sounds to me like one of your big concerns is that the lifestyle changes of the holidays may have kicked up your regular blood sugar readings. Some holidays. And I also noticed that you said typically I don't have it right after the holidays. So do you frequently change your diet during the holidays? We eat good. <laughs> we drink good. <laughs> it seems like you are responsive to lifestyle. We know eating really rich, really high sugar meals in addition to alcohol <laughs> Officer Byrne. <laughs> you remind me so much of my doctor. <laughs> we're kind of, we all come from the same mold. Hey, we're, we're having fun with it. I, I got to tell you, the, the one thing I will say, and this is where it gets back to moderation, you should never say I'm, I'm not going to enjoy my life. But I, I would take this seriously oh. because I think sometimes it's easy to forget when you're talking about numbers what diabetes over time can do right. to your kidneys, right. to your vision, vision yeah. Yeah. To, to your heart. And I think if you use this as motivation to, so let's say next holidays roll around, maybe pull back a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah, Have a okay. good time. Right, right. A great it won't time. be so good and it won't be so much to drink. Do you, do you have a family history of diabetes? Or? Uh, my Aunt Helen, uh, my father's sister, uh, had both of her legs uh, below the knee cut off uh, due, to, due to diabetes. And so I, I, I want to emphasize that it is important that you know your glucose level. I want to applaud yeah. you for that because yeah. you can't, if you don't know, you don't know. You know, you know and, and, so, and so many people don't know. And it's a, it's a real simple test. Uh, you know, just go and ask your doctor for it. Whether you think you have it or not, because it is one of those silent killers. Yes. yes. And, and 
what you don't know can kill you a long time. Well, I'm as anxious as you are to find out what yeah. your next hemoglobin A1C number is. I would be glad to let you guys yeah, know. Yeah, do, do let us know. And maybe, you know, maybe if you get those results, come back on. And I think sometimes by sharing your story, yeah. because look, everyone is out there just trying to do the best they can, right? right? We're trying to be happy, enjoy our lives, but also take into account Stay our healthy. risk factors for things like this. And I got to tell you, a diagnosis of diabetes doesn't have to be scary. Living with diabetes, not knowing that you're living with diabetes. Now that's yes. scary because yes. that's when it's doing the damage. Can't thank you enough for sharing this with us. My and you can thank you. Thank you for having me. See more of Officer Bird on Judge Judy, which is now in its 22nd season. Yeah. Pretty remarkable. And you can catch him on YouTube. I saw you singing on YouTube, by the way. Look oh. him up. He's good. <laughs> Well, man, well, I didn't thank know that. You. Maybe next thank time we'll do a little singing yeah. competition. But certainly, if you have a question you want answered on the show, write into the doctorstv.com. You never know. Your question may be answered next on the show. We'll be right back. Coming up. Doctors can tend to minimize the female experience when it comes to dealing with it. Grammy-nominated singer Halsey opens up about a condition that's plagued her for years. I was fainting all the time. The next thing I knew, I was on stage miscarrying. That's next. Coming tomorrow. This is a big deal. This is serious. The deadly prank by Pineapple. It's almost murder. Then Kristen Bell's mommy nightmare with a bizarre ending. That's taking it for the team. I'm not signing off on that. Plus, drama erupts in doctor's court. It's just hard for me to hear you defend him. You're adding all these facts, Travis. Even Dr. Orton gets caught in the crosshairs. He's trying to get me in trouble. Reva, Dr. Orton is not on trial. Not yet. And then on Monday, captive against her will, Elizabeth Smart opens up to the doctors about her horrific experience. I know exactly how it feels to be devastated. Then... I don't think this is the right way to go about it. Outrage over the popular weight loss program for kids. That's Monday. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey... Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. gnawing, stabbing, debilitating, just a few of the words used to describe the painful symptoms of roughly 176 million women suffering with endometriosis worldwide. Actress Kate Bond of CBS's MacGyver is one of them. I'm Kate Bond. Uh, you might know me from CBS's MacGyver. Yeah, Jack. What cause? And what's safe? What is Riley's dad doing here? And what the hell is going on? What she said. I need help breaking into Maddie Weber's personal safe. I've had painful menstrual cycles for my whole life. I would have really bad cramps, it's almost like a gut punch. It like knocks the breath out of me. It's gotten progressively much worse as I've gotten older. 
on my first day of my period, the pain will hit me so hard that I'll faint. It got to a point where sometimes I'm stuck in bed for four days. I was taking like six Advil at a time just so that I could function. It was affecting every aspect of my life. And people just don't take it seriously. When you say you have cramps, there's just sort of this thing of like, okay, sweetie, I'm treated like an old-timey lady who gets the vapors. I knew something was wrong, and I believed it was endometriosis because I have a family history of it. But over the years, I went to doctor after doctor after doctor, and they all told me that I may have endometriosis, but it was a lot of trouble to diagnose, so I should just deal with it. There was never any discussion that there could be treatment for it. They didn't seem to understand that what I wanted was to not have constant debilitating pain. I was in so much pain, and I had gone to so many doctors that I really had just lost hope. As she said, Kate was starting to lose hope. That is until she met with OBGYN Dr. Tice Aliabadi, who finally formally diagnosed her with endometriosis. They both join us now. And I'm curious for you, after all those years, what was it like to finally have your diagnosis? It, it's, it goes so much further than relief. Um, I feel validated because for years I was telling doctors my symptoms I was telling doctors my diagnosis and I was being told that it wasn't that big a deal I was being told that it wasn't a problem when I was 24 a doctor said well you know if you don't want to have the pain anymore you should just get pregnant that's a shame oh, wow. if I may that's really unfortunate yeah. and that's a black eye on medicine so I, I'm sorry you went through that yeah. so so let's fast forward to then you're with Dr. Alibadi and how are you doing now I'm doing pretty well it's I just had my surgery two weeks ago but my post-surgical pain wasn't as bad as my menstrual cramps wow, wow. So with endometriosis, it's a condition where the lining that's typically inside of your uterus gets outside of your uterus, but that tissue continues to act normally. So just like the tissue is breaking down and bleeding through your vagina, through your menstrual period, the tissue that's outside of your uterus is also breaking down and bleeding. So as you can imagine, these women can have a significant amount of pain due to inflammation and irritation and adhesions. And Dr. Ali Abadi, we know that there are different stages of endometriosis. Some women just have mild endometriosis, meaning they just have a little bit, but Kate's case was severe, correct? She has pretty severe and aggressive disease. Uh, which has caused her actually to have partial bowel obstruction, which is extremely rare. I see endometriosis patients all the time, and I've done a lot of laparoscopic surgery on them. It's not common to see what I found inside when I was doing the laparoscopy. I was emotional when I was operating on her because no woman should go through this. Her partial bowel obstruction, you know, endometriosis causes adhesions. Mm -hmm. So most of the time we see those adhesions inside the pelvis with the uterus and tubes getting stuck to the bowel. In her case, her tubes actually look fine and the uterus is fine. She has endometriosis implants everywhere, but she has severe small bowel adhesions and partial obstruction, which explains a lot of her symptoms, you know, bloating symptoms and... GI symptoms, yeah, because depending on what's impacted, that can kind of determine what symptoms you will have. So if you have bowel symptoms, then there may be some endometriosis there. If you're having bladder symptoms, there may be some endometriosis there. I am so glad that you're feeling better. Yeah. Because that does provide hope. And 
You know, for people out there who don't understand this, for men who don't understand it, Kate is certainly not alone. It's estimated that one out of 10 women in the U.S. struggle with endometriosis. That includes the woman behind the hit you've all heard on the radio, Bad at Love, Grammy-nominated singer and songwriter, Halsey, who is here with us. So please welcome Halsey to the show. So I feel like every woman who has dealt with endometriosis has their own individual story mm -hmm. and journey. And clearly you're here today for a reason to share yeah, your story. Absolutely. So, you know, the thing with endometriosis is a lot of it comes down to, I think doctors can tend to minimize, you know, the female experience when it comes to dealing with it. My whole life, my mother had always told me, women in our family just have really bad periods. Mm. Um, it was just something she thought she was kind of cursed to deal with, and that I was cursed to deal with, and that was just a part of my life. Um, when I started touring um, and playing concerts and traveling, the, the stress and the strain on my body really started to enhance the symptoms and make the experience a little bit worse. I was fainting all the time, and uh, I got misdiagnosed with chronic fatigue, with anxiety. They were telling me I was fainting because I was anxious. I said, I am anxious. Uh, yeah, it's, it's understandable, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, call, they say it's stage fright. Yes, yeah. yes. And um, it wasn't until one of the first tours I'd ever done, I woke up in so much pain. I was bleeding so much. It was more blood than I've ever bled before. And uh, our tour bus was parked outside of a hotel. I was so sick and I was in so much pain, I thought I was going to vomit. And tour bus plumbing is not great for vomiting. So I uh, wandered my way out of the tour bus into a hotel, into the lobby, and managed to get to a bathroom. And a couple minutes later, I woke up on the floor in that bathroom. Mm -hmm. And I pulled myself up, and I walked back out through the parking lot, collapsed in, in the street outside of the bus. And uh, my tour manager had to take me to the hospital. And the whole time I was there, no one knew what to tell me. Dehydration, stress, anxiety. And I'm saying, well, what about my pain? A lot of the time, they can make you think it's in your head. Mm -hmm. um, when I finally got my endometriosis diagnosis was with Dr. Ali Abadi. She took one look at me, and I explained her my symptoms, and she said, you have endometriosis. And it was so bittersweet, because it was like um, the relief of knowing I wasn't making it all up, and I wasn't being sensitive, and it wasn't all in my head. But it also kind of sucked to know that I was going to be living with this forever. A couple months later, I was on tour. I found out I was pregnant. And before I could even really figure out what that meant to me and what that meant for my future, for my career, for my life, my relationship, um, the next thing I knew I was on stage miscarrying um, in the middle of my concert. And the sensation of looking a couple hundred teenagers in the face while you're bleeding through your clothes and still having to do the show and Realizing in that moment, I was like, I never want to have to make that choice ever again of doing what I love and or not being able to because of this disease. So I put my foot down and I got really aggressive about seeking treatment and I had surgery a year ago and I feel a lot better. So it's good. Yeah. Coming up, Halsey puts on a brave face for her fans. Two weeks later, I walked the Grammys red carpet with stitches. Then, breaking down the genetics of the hairy back bald head combo. It's not the water in Nashville. That's coming up. 
estimated that one out of 10 women in the US struggle with endometriosis. That includes Halsey, who is here with us. The thing with endometriosis, I think doctors can tend to minimize, you know, the female experience. A lot of the time, they can make you think it's in your head. For years, I was telling doctors my symptoms, and I was being told that it wasn't that big a deal, that it wasn't a problem. She has pretty severe and aggressive disease. I was emotional when I was operating on her because no woman should go through this. My post-surgical pain wasn't as bad as my menstrual cramps. One of the first tours I'd ever done, I woke up in so much pain, I was bleeding so much, and I pulled myself up and I walked through the parking lot, collapsed in, in the street. My tour manager had to take me to the hospital, and the whole time I was there, no one knew what to tell me. I'm so glad we're talking about this topic, and you both highlight this, and hopefully everyone's listening to your stories because it's important, because there's also some management decisions that need to be made, and I know, Halsey, in your case, Dr. Mm -hmm. Alibadi, and, and you are really put a plan together. Can you, can you talk about that? Yeah, of course. We started with, a, with an IUD, right. um, and it, it, it made things a lot better. And then I had the, um, an endometriosis ablation and right, the laparoscopic right. surgery about a year ago. Two weeks later, I walked the Grammys red carpet with stitches, and I applaud you for being here because <laughs> I know it's tough. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm 23 years old, and I'm going to freeze my eggs. Um, and when I tell people that, they're like, why would you do that? You're 23. Why do you need to freeze your eggs? And doing an ovarian reserve is important for me because, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have that as an option. Um, but I need, to, I need to be aggressive about protecting my fertility, about protecting myself. And reproductive, reproductive illness is so frustrating because it can really make you feel like less of a woman. There's a lot of times when you're sitting at home and you just feel so terrible about yourself. You know, you're sick, you, you don't feel sexy, you don't feel proud, you don't feel like there's much hope. Um, and so taking these measures to make sure that I get to have a, hopefully a, a bright, future and, and, and achieve the things that I want to achieve um, by doing that ovarian reserve is really important. And that's the other thing too is getting it young. And that's why we need to make sure that women know that being in pain when you're menstruating is not normal. It's not okay. We can't minimize these, these people's pain and tell young women, oh, get over it, you're being sensitive, it's your period, because there could be an underlying issue that could kill them. That's very serious, um, and it's not, it's not okay. If anyone is at home and you're experiencing a significant amount of pain, I would encourage you to seek out another physician, talk to somebody else, because you should not be living like that. And let me tell you, on average, it takes about seven and a half mm -hmm. to 11 years to diagnose a patient with endometriosis, average being seven and a half. Yeah. The average age of presentation and diagnosis is usually age 32. Mm -hmm. And uh, the reason so many patients get undiagnosed or they get misdiagnosed is because a lot of the symptoms of endometriosis basically overlaps with other common conditions like PID, recurrent bladder infection, constipation, irritable bowel syndrome. So these patients get labeled with different diagnoses, yet their pain is never addressed. Mm -hmm. The other issue is we really don't have any tests, you know, to diagnose it with. That's I can't do a blood right. test yeah. or do an ultrasound. Well, I can diagnose severe stages on ultrasound, but usually it's tough to diagnose it just by seeing the patient. So for me, I have three red flags in my office. Let's say for your annual exam, you sit on my chair and without me asking, you bring up painful periods, that's the first red flag. Okay. I've been to a gynecologist, I've never brought up pain. Do you know, I'm here for my pap smear, 
and that's it, right? Yeah. As yeah. soon as someone says, and doctor, you know what? My periods are very painful. Boom. First red okay. flag. Second is if you stay home from school or from work because you're in pain, if you can't go on stage, if you can't go to work, right? You were telling me sometimes it's very difficult mm -hmm. for you to go on these shows. I, I've worked with food poisoning and it was easier than working. They could, you can't even tell that I was sick because it was easier than working with my period. Right. Yeah. Well, on my period. So that's my second red flag. And the third one, which is almost a stamp of diagnosis, if you end up in the emergency room with pain during your period, it's a red flag. I think this segment has maybe been one of the most educational we've ever had on our show in 10 years. Wow. And certainly. We'll have more resources on our website. The reminder, one in 10 women suffer from this here in the U.S. I want to thank Kate Halsey so much yes, for opening up you. about this. Dr. Alibadi, thank you, as always. And you can also head to our website to find out where you can catch Halsey on tour, Kate Bond on MacGyver, and more resources on endometriosis. We'll be right back. Coming up, breaking down the genetics of the hairy back bald head combo. It's not the water in Nashville. Plus, a zesty doctor's prescription you'll want to try today. What a fun little trick. Get a little extra flavor to boot. That's next. We get a ton of questions from fans on social media, like this hairy situation from Helen in Nashville, who writes, Hi, Docs. My man has a full back of hair, but none on his head. Why? Uh, it's, it's related to male hormone testosterone. Now, some of that testosterone breaks down to something called DHT. That's a byproduct of testosterone and other hormone. What DHT does, it stifles hair growth in certain areas, specifically the top of the head. That's why, and especially the crown of the head. So as you start to bald, you're gonna see it here first and then it progresses off the rest of your head. But DHT does not act that way on the rest of the body. So you can have that hairy back and the hairy oh. arms <laughs> and all that stuff. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I like a ball head and a goatee. So sometimes you might be right. They, they like it. Wait, wait. I mean, so sometimes for guys out there who may say, oh, well, I'm sad because I'm losing my but, hair. You may be disappointed because you're losing your hair. And you may meet somebody who's a little disappointed that yeah. you, you know. I mean, hairy chest, good. Harry back, I don't know if So you could probably if you want that much if you like bear better. hugs and all yeah. you know. there's somebody but for there everybody. Are, there are and the one thing I will also say, if you're suffering from significant hair loss, you're not sure what's going on, do talk to your doctor because unexplained hair loss we know is not fun. So go to our website, thedoctorstv.com, and enter the word fun for your chance to win a $150 gift voucher for Scandinavian beauty brand Lenny and Chris. Lenny and Chris offer natural skin care, hair care, products that are awesome. And guess what? You're all going home with some. Stick around. Coming up, a zesty doctor's prescription you'll want to try today. What a fun little trick. Get a little extra flavor to boot. That's next. I'm Vivica Fox, and this fall, I have a brand new talk show. Two people, two sides, but only one can be right. It's time to face the truth. So if you have a relationship that needs to be fixed, a conflict that needs to be settled, or a problem that's over your head, call 323 843 
3627. You know a cool hack that may make your next barbecue healthier and easier? We know fish like salmon can be great for your health. Cooking it can sometimes be a bit of a pain. The flakes of fish stick to the grill or the pan. Well, the next time you decide to go fish, you can lay the fillets on top of lemon slices. Mm. That may help prevent unnecessary sticking, give your dish that hint of lemon that a lot of people really like with fish. Certainly, you're gonna wanna make sure that the fish is still cooked all the way through. But a fun little trick, get a little extra flavor to boot. Yeah, and Those salmon is just so healthy. Great. The lemons yeah. may stick, but so what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that trick, yeah. Thumbs up. Good show, everybody. And if you want to learn more about what you missed on today's <laughs> show, we'll have that at thedoctorstv.com. Thanks so much for watching. <laughs>